Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, you know it's Taz and Moose. You know it's Taz and Moose. Hey. Uh, it is Taz and the Moose with you right here on this Tuesday morning. As we come to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios, millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. You've got uh, Mike and Pete across the way. Heller, your updates. Bogus sitting in for Taz, who's out sick here on this Tuesday morning. As we kick off this third and final hour, here we go. The three. It is now time for the three. We get you caught up on the three biggest headlines of the day with Taz and the Moose. Number one. Seahawks defeat the Vikings on Monday Night Football. Oh, they do. 37-30 the final. Amazing the way the Seahawks just continue to find ways to win football games. And they do last night. You know, down 14-7, down 17-10, 24-0 run. Survived then late. A uh, big defensive stand then leading 34-30. Get the late chip shot field goal by Myers with under 30 seconds to go in regulation. Uh, and that ends up being your final 37-30. Wilson very good. Carson running it. Penny running and catching the football. Guys uh, chipping in all over the place for that Seahawk team. Vikings played well in stretches of that game. But as Bogus, you pointed out, as we discussed to kick off the program this morning, you know, disappointment from Minnesota from your perspective because just another opportunity lost. Yeah, it was there. It was there. 17-10 at halftime, and then it just a the fall apart for a quarter and a half. You like the bounce back. I wish they didn't need to have the bounce back in the last couple of minutes to make the final score a little more respectable. You know, I, I, I think, I thought in halftime, I thought, wow, that, that that's a good half of football on the road in a tough place to play. No glaring mistakes. They showed off Dalvin Cook early. Cousins looked fine. The defense made a play. And then it just all went away. And I, and that, to me, encapsulates everything about this Viking team. They're, they're not a tease on the level of the Chargers, but they're like Chargers light. Like, they drag you in, make you think, they're, they're just upper echelon elite team, and then they let you down. And last night, they, they let me down the second half. Uh, here is uh, Russell Wilson on his squad being 10-2. and two. We're playing great football. I think we can play better. Uh, I think that we're um, – thing is we're 10-2, and two, um, you know, and top of the NFC West, and we're in control. And that's a great thing. You know, we like we like having that, that control and just being able to try to continue to win football games. And um, we, we don't want to get bored consistency. Just keep winning, keep winning, keep winning, keep finding a way. Um, and uh, we're doing a great job. How about the head coach, Pete Carroll, continues to do a great job up there in Seattle. Here he is talking about uh, just what the uh, the 12s did last night for his team. It felt like a, like a championship game in the stadium. Uh, fans were just extraordinarily good tonight, and, and it was just felt as good as we could ever remember it in terms of their energy and juice, and, and uh, it just makes it so much fun to be part of this whole thing. And, and so I'm thrilled to see that that, that came to life and, and uh, they hung with us. Oh, they certainly did all night long. So those were the victors. Here's Kirk Cousins. And he's not the reason why the Vikings lost last night. He gave you a representable performance. He talked about a tough L. Tough injury on my hearts with Dalvin Riley. Um, and, uh, you know, tough tough to lose anybody. And uh, and so, uh, 
you know, certainly, you know, hated seeing them go down. Yeah, and he's talking about Dalvin Cook, who left the game with a shoulder injury. As Bogus mentioned, after the game, Cook said it was more of a chest injury. Riley Reef, their starting left tackle, was unable to finish the game as well. So, some injuries for the Minnesota Vikings, in which you say coulda, woulda, shoulda. As we discussed a little bit earlier, though, I mean, they're probably fourth or fifth on the list. You know, right there with the Green Bay Packers, who they trail uh, by a game in that NFC North after the Packers' victory over the Giants this past Sunday in the snow at MedLife Stadium. But they're obviously behind the Seahawks, the Saints, and the 49ers. And by the way, I mean, this, the, with this win, the Seahawks' first place in the NFC West, number two they seed, are. the Niners drop to the five seed. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly being overly critical of the Vikings, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here again thinking about it. You know, no. No Thielen for the game last night. Harrison Smith game time decision. He's banged up. They look lose Cook. Um, you know, had they had they just lose their left tackle. Lose their left tackle. Had they just lost the game, I'd be using all of those as excuses. Ah, don't you know they didn't have this? They didn't have that. Like they couldn't have won that game last night. But when they put themselves in position to win it and then get smacked in the face for most of the second half, make that last little push, it changes the dynamic. But yes, at the end of the day. There's only a handful of good teams in the NFC right now, and they are certainly one of them. And they do still carry the threat of winning multiple playoff games. As as much as I'm disappointed in them right now and still looking for that one signature win, like you said, now we're number one. Maybe it's going to come on the road in maybe January, knocking somebody off. Yeah, maybe it does. Um, but I can understand it. You know, the trust factor there in Minnesota, they've been close a lot this year. And just have not had been able to have that kind of signature win. And they were once again close last night for a Seattle team where a number of the players were battling the flu as they took the field last night. As Pete Carroll talked about it pregame, um, saying that, you know, our guys are going to play. They might not all feel great, but they're going to go out there and play. You know, they played like the, a team dealing with the flu in the first half. In the second <laughs> half, it felt like they, you know, just IVs took some Dayquil extreme. Yeah. Some orange slices. Uh, and they were ready to go. That's exactly right, because their energy in half number two uh, was absolutely fantastic. I'll tell you, you want to look ahead, and it could mean nothing. It could mean everything. How about Seahawks Niners, week mm, 17? I know. It better, mean, it better mean something. Well, I mean, think about that matchup. A Week 17 matchup up in Seattle. Carol's talking about the atmosphere last night. Uh, Seahawks-Vikings on a Monday night, Week 13. You're talking about a final regular, you know, potentially final weekend. It might be, you know, the... The eight o'clock NBC game. I would. Th- I mean, I. I, don't I would kn- think that would have to be right. I can't imagine. I mean, imagine another game that's got more meaning than that. Week seventeen. Pat's Bills don't play Week seventeen. Their second game is sooner than that. The NFC South is one. The East. Well, the only the only thing that might end up actually matching that is in NFC East. The Cowboys and Eagles play Week seventeen. For the um, NFC East, and then no- Cowboy Eagles play the Giants. Okay, so you, here so, are your matchups, Week Seventeen. Let's just go. It through doesn't it matter. Quick, right? It's got to be this one: Jets, Bills, no; Browns, Bengals, no; Skins, Cowboys, no; Packers, Lions, nope; Chargers, Chiefs, nope; uh, Bears, Vikings, no; uh, Dolphins, Pats, no; Eagles, Giants, no. Falcons, uh, Bucks, nope. no. Saints, Panthers, no. Colts, Jaguars, no. Steelers, Ravens. Uh, maybe. Maybe. That's the competition. That's the Titans, Texans. I mean, it could be, actually. Could be. That could be one. There's only a game between the two of them right, right now. Ravens, uh, Raiders, Broncos. Nope. 
Uh, Cardinals and Rams. Yeah, no. No. I mean, honestly, there's probably three games it could be. Yeah. But that would probably highlight the list. All right, next. Number two. Minshew Mania is back. Gardner Minshew to start again for the Jaguars. Yes, thank you, Brad Heller. Yes, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars uh, and uh, Tom Coughlin and uh, uh, and uh, the Jaguars decide to uh, go in another. Doug Marone decide to go in another direction once again uh, as they make the decision to go back to Gardner Minshew. As Foles has struggled after his return from a broken collarbone that he suffered the opening week against the Kansas City Chiefs at home down in Jacksonville. Led to Minshew Mania taking over the National Football League for about five, six weeks. Then it died out after his performance pittered out. Uh, And now he's coming back into the fold as the starter down there in Jacksonville. I'll tell you, for Foles... You know, it's a strange scenario where he plays really well when he's an eagle. He struggles everywhere else. For the Jaguars, they are a franchise that is in duress right now. Uh, you know, the window is closed. Uh, the defense no longer what it once was. They don't run it like they used to. They thought they found their solution at the quarterback spot in Foles. You know, he has not been good when he's been healthy. They're going to a rookie uh, low-round pick out of Washington State to kind of be the solution. Uh, there's going to be massive issues. This, you would imagine Marone's going to get fired and massive changes down there in Jacksonville. Yeah, which is why I, I don't know what we're going to learn about Gardner Minshew here in December. You, you go back to him, but you're putting him back in a situation where he was certainly at times electric, but he also had some some big-time duds, too. And he goes back into this now where they're just playing out the string with different guys on the field and diff- with guys with different you know motivations for these last four games a defense that's broken, a head coach that's probably coaching out the string. So I don't know what answers they're going to get on Gardner Minshew. Something tells me it's not going to be many moves. I don't. I can't imagine he's going to twirl four gems that send you into the offseason going, I don't care what the economics are. Nick Foles is out and Gardner Minshew's my guy. Yeah, that that's fair. And, it, and listen, it might not even be you know this staff that's making that decision. And I understand it's an organizational choice. I was surprised. I guess when you make the kind of commitment that they did financially to Foles, and the fact now he was really bad this past week. Now, but when you make that kind of a commitment, I would think Andrew that you would maybe stay the course a little bit. For a team that's not going to be playing for anything here down the stretch. There's nothing to play for. No, and and I, that's why I was surprised yesterday when they when when Doug Marone said this. I, I this has to you you have to know more about Nick Foles. I mean I I, I can't Gardner Minshew's fun. I just I don't know that Gardner Minshew's better than Nick Foles for the next couple of years to be to you know in all honesty. I know it was fun and 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 the mustache is great, but it's about you know production and skill and whatnot. I still think I need to know more about Foles. I mean, the guy's played like 10 quarters because of this collarbone, and now I'm going to eat maybe $20 million next year in cap space to move on from him? I, I don't, That's a tough sell. It really is, but they made that decision nonetheless. All right, number three. Number three. Chris Peterson steps down at the University of Washington. Yeah, I was stunned. Um, you know, absolutely stunning that he will step down after the Huskies bowl game. He's going to be replaced by defensive coordinator Jimmy Lake. Um, Peterson's only 55 years of age. He's going to transition into a leadership advisory role with the athletic department. In the uh, prepared statement, Peterson said, it has been a privilege and a professional dream fulfilled to be part of this world-class institution. I'll never, uh, I will forever be grateful, honored, and humbled 
to have the oppor- have had the opportunity to coach our five young men on Mount Lake for the past six seasons. I didn't know that was the what they called it, by the way. Neither did I. That was new to me. I learned a little something. Yeah. Um, is this the first step of something for him? Another job, or do you believe the "I'm tired, I need to recharge" thing? Uh, I don't know. You know, ESPN. I guess you know Adam Rittenberg with ESPN said there. You know, he's healthy. Uh, he right. reached out to someone uh, close to Chris Peterson. So this is not a health issue, and it's not a family issue. Uh, that he was worn down by this season at Washington. I mean, he's 55 years old. A lot of people initially, when the story came out that he was stepping down at Washington, kind of connected the dots and said, oh, Chris Peterson's going to go to coach USC. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be it. Uh, they're going to fire Helton, who they've been who they've been wanting to fire, new athletic director out there at USC. They've been wanting to fire Clay Helton, so they're going to fire Helton and bring Peterson in. Uh, that kind of, though... The, the momentum to that thought process kind of got stymied a little bit after the statement by Peterson that he's taken on this advisory role. Could that change? I would have to – I'd have a hard time thinking that Chris Peterson at 55 years of age has done coaching college football. Right. He might be done for now. Might be done for gonna, now. I, I'm talking I, about I would, forever. Yeah. I mean, he might need a year to recharge, but all of a sudden you think Chris Peterson is, is, is never going to coach again? I mean, I guess – you know, you can lose that energy. I guess you can lose that steam. I guess you can lose that drive. It's a grind. I mean, not just the regular season, but the recruiting process and, you know, the push and how competitive it is right now, especially when you're in the Pac-12. He's had a lot of success in a number of different spots on the college level. I think he'd be a hell of an acquisition, you know, a hell of a coach at USC. I think that would absolutely work, but it doesn't seem like that's the way that this is going. I mean, he'd, he'd be a heck of a coach anywhere. anywhere. I mean, yeah. but the point of the grind is real, and this is why there is a divide between college and NFL coaches because it's a completely different thing. It's not when you get past the actual football and the actual games, a college job never ends. You know, there is there is downtime for NFL coaches outside of the season. They're in the office. They, you know, they go from draft to mini camp. So it's not a vacation either, but it's but there is there are more downtimes for NFL coaches than no there are in college because you're constantly recruiting and you're constantly game planning. And then you got to shake hands and kiss babies and raise money and travel around and, yeah. you know, do a. I got to speak at the luncheon for the Ann Arbor Foundation and I got to do this and I got to do that. And then it's spring ball. I mean, there is no time to just decompress. So I get being burned out. But my first thought was on a day where, you know, the first thing I saw was from Sports by Brooks, who is back now doing sports coverage on the internet. It disappeared for a while. But he said. Clay Helton's out. They're you know they're just killing time until they make a decision, and they know who they're bringing in. And then boom, Chris Peterson out of nowhere stepping into Washington. So I'm immediately connecting those two things. But at least, and I you know I never bought Urban Meyer's leaving Florida as I maybe I, it's I'm Urban Meyer. Home. But so I, I don't I don't want to say Chris Peterson is doing that here, but I wouldn't. But it certainly seems like he does just need to go home and take a nap for it right now. Well, I mean, you, but look at the success he's had, right? Uh, 146 and 38 career record as yeah. a college coach. 146 and 38, right? Well, I mean, 108 games over the 500 mark. Eight seasons at Boise State. Uh, led the Broncos to a pair of Fiesta Bowl victories over four top 10 and four top 10 finishes in the AP poll. Uh, has been at Washington since 14, led the Huskies to a pair of Pac-12 titles and a berth in the college football playoff series 
uh, in 2016. It was part of those national semifinals. He has produced pro after pro after pro after pro at Washington and Boise State as well. Uh, he's had so much success on the college level. And translated, people say, well, it's just Boise State. Well, went to Washington, had success there. Uh, maybe he just needs a little bit of a break, and, and then he'll be back. I hope he's back to coaching college football because college football is better with Chris Peterson you know, coaching it. The, the Boise stuff actually trumps Washington for me. I mean, that is, he changed the course of college football at that program. He forced the little guy yeah. to get a seat at the table. Now, it still might not be a seat that correctly rewards schools outside the Power Five conferences, but, you know, we're not talking about the American Athletic and Cincinnati and Memphis if there wasn't originally Boise State and TCU at that point as well, but they changed the dynamic. They forced themselves in this conversation. It's still the old boys club and it's still the power brokers that, that run things, but they at least had to open up the door, a sliver to the smaller schools, the second-level schools, because of Chris Peterson and because of Boise State. There you have it. So Chris Peterson steps down, resigns as Washington head coach, and uh, their defensive coordinator, uh, Lake, is going to take over. Uh, Jimmy Lake, and a moving five-year forward. Con- I mean, it, it, five-year deal. Going to get that's three, his job. Five-year, fifteen million dollar right. deal. Right. So there you have it for Jimmy Lake, as he's now uh, the Washington Huskies head coach. So there you have it. Your three here on this uh, Tuesday morning uh, with uh, Chris Peterson stepping down as Washington. Big victory uh, last night uh, for Seattle over Minnesota. Monday Night Football, thirty-seven thirty, the final, and Nick Foles once again out. As starter down in Jacksonville with the Jaguars and Gardner Minshew, the mustache survives as he's back in. It's Taz of the Moose, Bogus in for a sick Taz here on this Tuesday morning, CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. All right, CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line of 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is brought to you by Geico. Great news, quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico, go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Uh, Heller's in the house, third and final time this morning as he is... uh, uh, badgering me about the Greg Schiano signing. What's he there. like? Badgering? Uh, yeah. I, no, that's just, a little bit of a strong <laughs> word. You're like, oh, you must be excited. Schiano's back wow. with the Scarlet Knights. Well, it's all relative, isn't it? Well, yeah, well, hopefully relevant football comes. You know, here's what I saw yesterday. You know, here's... So, we talk about disparities between the haves and the have-nots in these Power Five conferences. Rutgers in ticket sales last year in Big Ten right? They ranked 11th of the 12 schools. <laughs> I wish who there was still tw- 10 who schools. Who was 12? <laughs> I, I don't know. They were 11. I don't know who was 12, but they ranked 11th and 12th in terms of generating revenue and ticket sales at $12 million. Ohio State was one at $63 million. Mm. Think about that. So five times more. Five times more Ohio State is making just off ticket sales 
just off ticket sales to their Big Ten athletic events, their home events, as compared to Rutgers. Well, and I bet if you did a deeper dive, you'd find out, too, that Ohio State and Michigan account for all of for a good chunk of the Rutgers ticket income. Oh, those have to be their biggest draws, right, when those big boys come to town? Well, you're probably right, and here's the other thing. They had a the Scarlet Knights this past year, which will change now because the fan base is excited to have Shiano aboard. They lost 11,000 season tickets last year oh. going into this season. 11,000 season ticket holders dropped off going into this year. All right, so how much do you think it goes up by now that Shiano's back on I board? think they probably gained 15,000. Just like that? Just like that. You don't know how you guys have, like, I know you haven't because you haven't been on the camp. Like, there was such a such heat around Greg Schiano. People were holding up signs in the parking lot, bring Schiano back, you know, walking around the stadium. Like, there is a general excitement that basically the Savior has returned. Which is crazy because it was the complete opposite in Knoxville when he was basically set to take the job at Tennessee. And they revolted. And then they did it about face because it was a revolt, which was the opposite reaction. Which was the complete opposite. They wanted no part of him. Insane. And now down there, yes, I think I think there are Scarlet A fans that don't want anything else for, you know, Hanukkah or Christmas or whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. They don't want anything. Birthdays in December, it right. doesn't matter. They don't want anything. They got Greg Schiano back. They're, they're happy campers. Give well, that good. Rutgers grad the gift they've always <laughs> wanted. Right. Scarlet the re- Knights season tickets right. the re- Yes, the return of Greg Schiano. <laughs> I'm just glad he's a humble guy that he'll, you know, gracefully accept all of this extra adoration and not, you know, spin it into a negative by acting as if he actually is the savior. Well, of I mean, with that, football. this isn't the Big East anymore. I know this, we had a couple good years yeah. in the Big East. This ain't well, the Big East no, anymore. No, it's not. It's a difficult job. It's a difficult job. When you're in, especially the division that you're in, when you're in the same division as Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State, that's a difficult division. Yeah. When yeah. you're taking on those teams every year, that's that's a difficult division. And that's a whole other story, the fact that that is one side of the Big Ten that not just Rutgers, but Indiana and Maryland have to face every single year. Every single year, right. That I mean, you're 0-4 down. before you even blink. Before you, and maybe, I mean, and Michigan State had a down year this year, and they still beat Rutgers, what was it, 24 nothing or what it was, 24-3? <laughs> it's not going to be 86 nothing like it is with Ohio State. You're still not scoring. No. Whatever the final well, that, is, you're still not the, scoring. That's the point, is that even in a down year where Michigan State's not, not particularly good, they still won the game going away. They did cover, though, on Saturday, didn't they? They did, yes. The plus were, 49? Yes, they were 40. It was 40, not 49. 40, excuse me. 40. They were getting 40. They against, covered against Ohio State, too, didn't they? did they? cover against Ohio wow. State, yes. Right. It was always fun taking um, the New Jersey Transit. I took it on a Saturday morning and seeing all the fans from the opposing school. This happened to be an Iowa day. This was a couple of years ago where just the train I was on was flooded with Iowa fans. Like, that, they make this their one trip. You know, this alumni, like, we're going to see our school play in a different stadium every year. And, hey, we've never been to Jersey, never been let's around. Go, they stay. Wait, let's go to SHI Stadium in Piscataway, New Jersey. Hey, they make a weekend out of it in Manhattan. They stay in the city. Oh, no doubt. You know, I know. Purdue, and they pack Iowa, them. Yes, I, trust me. I get it. Yeah. Illinois, let's go out to see I, Rutgers. I, I understand. I thought there'd <laughs> we know be they're going to win. You know? I thought there would be a bigger turnout when Ohio State came to town. I thought there would be, and there really wasn't. It just goes to show you the uh, interest in college football in the in the tri-state, the New York City yeah, area. Yeah, not great, not great. I mean, that's but... the closest that Ohio State, maybe the best team in the country, is. I don't want to say in your backyard, but it's the closest they're going to get to New York City, and you know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, Michigan, whatever, like, whoever. Yeah, it's like a forty-five, fifty-minute ride from here where we're sitting right now. Yeah. That's what it is. Not, not, not terrible, not bad. But yes, the the Rutgers Scarlet Eye fan is all excited. <laughs> 
They're all fired up. They were enraged and outraged about two weeks ago when the report came out he wasn't coming. The negotiations broke off, and now that he's back, hey. Let's get those season tickets rolling. The tailgates are going to be insane. That's exactly right. And Syracuse needs a quarterback next year. Oh, gosh. Don't even get How me bad started. were they this year? Don't right? even get me started. They were terrible. Awful. I mean, and their backup quarterback looked like he hadn't thrown a ball since middle school. And the basketball program needs Hopkins back, too. Gee, I mean, Once he left for Washington, the recruiting left. It. He's taking Central New York, upstate New York talent, and bringing it all the way to the Pacific Northwest. I know. Well, I mean, how many? How long could you possibly wait to be the guy, next guy in line up there at Syracuse? Yeah, that was he not waited a, for about twelve years. That was not a good scenario for him, and good for him that he's going. He's like, when's Bayon finally going to retire here? <laughs> well, these kids that, are now playing. Yeah. One's at Cornell, one's at Syracuse. He's still coaching. And people forget there was a three-year plan in place for him to step down. Remember I know. after they missed, there was the probation. Then they got rid of the, the athletic tournament. director, and basically the new they AD panicked. said you can basically stay till when you're dead. <laughs> How many how many other relatives you got coming up playing it high school matter, ball? Right? Here's work. Buddy Behan. Uh What's going on, Heller, this All morning? All right. This report, Moose, is sponsored by the NFL. The NFL invites fans to participate in Huddle for 100. We're encouraging fans to volunteer by getting out, getting active, and improving their local environment. Visit NFL.com slash Huddle for 100 to learn how you can get involved. We'll start with football, the Monday night game in Seattle, and the Seahawks winning their fifth in a row. We're playing great football. I think we can play better. Uh, I think that we're, the um, thing is we're 10 and 2, um, you know, and top of the NFC West, and we're in control, and that's a great thing. You know, we like we like having that that control and just being able to try to continue to win football games. And um, we, we don't want to get bored consistency, just keep winning, keep winning, keep winning, keep finding a way. Um, and uh, we're doing a great job. That's Russell Wilson who threw two touchdown passes. The Seahawks scored 24 unanswered points to start the second half to beat the Vikings 37-30. The Seahawks are tied with the Niners but hold the tiebreaker in the NFC West. The Vikings with the loss are 8-4. They're a game behind the Packers in the NFC North. They lost Dalvin Cook to a shoulder injury, but he said he will be all right. Kirk Cousins, by the way, now 0-8 in Monday night games. One other NFL note, Jaguars rookie Gardner Minshew is taking over the starting quarterback job again for the rest of the season. Nick Foles played just 10 quarters coming off the broken collarbone. From the NBA, the Bucks they barely broke a sweat at home on their way to their 12th straight win, 132-88 over the Knicks. Here's head coach Mike Budenholzer. A lot of guys played well. Um, you know, it's good for us to get everybody out on the court. Um, some other guys not play heavy minutes. Um, you know, all these can kind of add up during the season. So tough back to back for them. But proud of the way our guys focus from start to finish. Giannis had 29 points, 15 rebounds. He played just 22 minutes. The Bucks are an NBA best, 18 and three. How about the Warriors? An NBA worst, four and 18. They lost the Hawks, 104-79 Atlanta, ending a 10-game losing streak. Washington head football coach Chris Peterson stepping down after six seasons and a couple of Pac-12 titles. The 55-year-old is going to stay on through the Huskies bowl game. He will then assume a leadership advisory role. The defensive coordinator Jimmy Lake he takes over as the new head coach. From baseball, The Athletic is reporting that the Yankees are going to meet with pitchers Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg over the next couple of days. Their agent is the same, Scott Boris. Boris also represents Mike Moustakis, who got a four-year deal with the Reds for $64 million. Baseball's winter meetings start next week in San Diego. And on the ice, a 10-game losing streak now for the Detroit Red Wings. They lost at home to the Islanders 4-1. to Guys? All right. Thank you, Heller. Uh, job well done this morning. Always a pleasure. There Thanks, go. Benj. Good to see you. We really appreciate it. All right. I that's one of the many names that you know Connor. I hear from that seat. Yeah. Yes. You know. Tim Ted Tad. Ted, Ted. <laughs> you look like a Bradley. Thank you. 
I'm glad we got to talk Rutgers. Yes, yeah, yeah I'm great. sure that's what you what you wanted to do. Coming well, no out of doubt. Yeah, talk a little Scar. Everyone loves to talk a little college football. A little Scarlet Knights, very relevant program. I was going to say if uh, who's who's going after Chris Peterson if if, if the Shiano thing fell through, is he going to get a phone call from <laughs> Rutgers? <laughs> I'm going to recharge in Piscataway. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My summer home. I don't know where they were going to go. Butch Jones basically <laughs> said uh, pulled his name out of the hat, or they said uh, no to him, and they moved on. Uh, hella good stuff. Man. All right. Thanks, guys. You got it. Uh, did you, uh, by the way, have you watched The Irishman yet? No. Three and I, a half hours. That's the thing. I want to be able to watch it in one sitting. And as you for know, for three and a half hours in one sitting, I can't sit there for three and a half and watch a movie. I, I, I'd lose interest. Well, I'm I'm probably going to fall asleep in the middle of that three and a half, with no judgment on the movie, just the way my body works these days. But what I'm trying to avoid is I'm a big TV. You know, I watch things on my iPad. I download things on my iPad and watch them on the train and out of the city in the morning okay. and the afternoon. And if I watch a movie that I can't, obviously, in a 45-minute train run, I can't watch a full movie, watching it in parts, I feel like I, I lose some of the energy Some of the it. energy of the movie. I miss, you know, so I, I miss things. I think, you know, movies are, are meant to be seen from start to finish in one sitting. So I want to be able to have three free hours to watch The Irishman. But finding three free hours... For which I have the energy to stay up for three hours is an issue, but now, I'm, I'm going to try. I know three people have watched it, right? John Hine, who's on the Howard Stern Show, right. who I work with over at SNY, he watched it in three different parts. Okay. Like, basically, an hour each clip, right? Hour, hour, and then I guess 90 minutes, right? So he watched it in three separate parts. Doug Williams, who I work with over at SNY, he watched it, sat there for three and a half hours straight. He's young. And watched it. He's only 28 years yeah. old, right? And then Jonas Schwartz as well, who uh, who you know is a local broadcaster here in New York. These are good name um, drops. Yeah, he watched it, and he watched it in two separate parts. Okay, now our... Al, now, go ahead. No, I was going to say Al Dukes, who's down the hallway producing for Boomer and Geo and WFAN, didn't want to watch it, watched it. He said in four or five installments. What did he think of it? He liked it. He did not think he was going to like it going in, but he liked it even though he watched it over you know four or five breakdowns. Yeah, I could not. I, here's the problem I have. I, the idea of sitting there for three and a half hours and watching a movie is somewhat enticing, but then I think about the fact of okay, if I start that game, if I start that movie at noon, I'm not done till basically four o'clock in the afternoon. Like that's the entire day, right? Like, the whole day is just gone. To sit there and watch a movie, I and and I don't know if I could right now with with my sleep schedule and the way I sleep, I don't know if I could maybe stay awake for three and a half hours straight. Watch sitting there on a couch, <laughs> exactly. comfortable. If there's slow parts during the movie and watching the movie, I. Now I'm interested in it. Scorsese, De Niro, Pacino. Uh, there are Harvey Keitel, uh, Joe Pesci. I mean, it is a who's who in terms of a, a rundown of big names that are involved in it. And I love the the storyline, Hoffa and um, and uh, and Frank Sheehan, right? I believe it was. Um, mm-hmm. a, a, to me, the 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 whole the whole movie, the history of the movie. I'm into it. Three and a half hours is a long commitment. That's a long commitment. I'd need to break it up. Yeah, now Damon Amendolaro, who's going to be on after us on most of these same stations, he went to a screening of the movie, so he saw it in its entirety on a big screen, and he said it's the best Pesci has ever been. I heard Pesci's great. And that it was a phenomenal movie altogether. Pesci in particular was outstanding. Bellotti, have you seen it? 
I saw it. I saw it in three parts over a day. Over a day. Yes. So you started in the morning, a little morning, afternoon, and then a little nightcap? Correct. Um, and did you love it? I enjoyed it. I thought, though, that the length of the movie took a little away from it, for me, at least. It dragged. It, dra- it, it made it drag. It, it was a great how, If movie. you had to guess, how much could you maybe cut from the movie? Uh, an hour. You could cut an hour. I think you can go two and a half, two, uh, you know, two hours, two and a half hours. And that would be good. That would be fine with me. All right. But you like it. Thanks, Spielberg. I enjoyed it. Basically, you have not seen it yet? I have not seen it, no. Now, could you sit there and watch it for three and a half straight hours? I I personally could not sit there and watch it for three and a half hours, but it does get me to think maybe like the sense of when you see a show that you love and you start binge watching it and you want to see what's next, what's next. I've done that before, but I've never done it with a movie. Yeah. So uh, that's what intrigues me. If I could sit down for the whole time, that that worries me. I remember seeing the um, what movie was it? Um, the Godfather Part Three in the no. theaters. Okay, which was a terrible movie. Yes, but I saw it in the theaters, and they actually had a break after an hour and a half. Yeah, a bet ba- they had like a fifteen minute intermission. To go to the bathroom, get refreshments before you came back and finished the movie. Um, what was that movie? Uh, it was called The Hateful Eight. It was a... Um, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Is that Quentin Tarantino? Y- yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that one had was an it intermission. Quint- maybe it wasn't Quentin Tarantino. I don't know. Okay, that had an intermission? That one had an intermission. That's three and a half hours long? Uh, I don't remember the exact length of it, but he, like, he filmed it like in old school film. Like the point of it was supposed to, it was supposed to feel like an old movie. So I think he inserted the intermission to make it feel like it would have felt in like the fifties and sixties. Gotcha. I do want to see it. I do of want course, to see it. Yeah. It's on the to do list. I do want to see it. My wife started to watch it without me. Ouch. Said the first half hour was a little slow, but then it started to pick up. You know what I've been I've been watching that I'm pleasantly surprised by is uh, Jack Ryan on Amazon. I heard nothing Prime. but good things. And which is it's odd because it's Jim from The Office who's yeah. like goofy and funny, and he's like a jacked CIA agent, which is just it's just odd, but it's better than I thought it was going to be. Well, did you see the? Um, did you see him in that movie about Benghazi? No, he was very good in that. I did Very not see that. that. He was, a, I believe, a, a, a former Navy SEAL. In okay. That. He was jacked in that as well. I saw. Now, his wife was Mary Poppins in the remake, and she was fantastic in that. I don't know if your kids saw I that. I did see that. She's she was great. great. I, I love Emily Blunt. Uh, and Jack Ryan's good. Jack Ryan's worth, worth watching. Worth watching. First season better than the second. The second one is what just came out. Uh, but it's good. There you go. It's good TV. We You're do welcome. it all here. And real CBS trees. Sports get Radio. real trees. Oh, of course. You got to get real trees. You even have fake snow. And if you're going to get a fake tree, make sure you listen to your wife so you don't miss how she's going to make it Is it one it of those worse. fiber optic trees? No, it's not. No, 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 no. It's, it, it, it's trying to look like a snow-covered tree I just but cut But it's indoors! Yeah, I know, I know. If, if you have a snow-covered tree indoors, that means you don't have heat. <laughs> or I just cut and it down. And you're dead. And I'm willing to have it drip onto my nice wood floors. Yes. The undercard comes your way next. It's Taz and Boos. Bogus is in the house. CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. I'm rolling right along here on this Tuesday morning. Remember, download the podcast each and every day. Radio.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. We appreciate that. Sirius at XM206, the app as well. We thank all of our great affiliates all across the country. Let's get to it. Here we go. The undercard. 
Taz and the Moose present The Undercard. The stories from today's rundown that we haven't talked about on the show. All right, Michael, what do we got? Well, from the Sunday game, Tom Brady was caught yelling at his receivers, and a lot of people got interested in that. Jim Gray yesterday with Tom Brady on his Westwood One spot. Brady responded to that. Well, I do that quite a bit in practice. I know they don't always pick it up and. Uh, you know, when I do speak, but I speak a lot in meetings and practice field, certainly in the games and the huddle. And I'm uh, just trying to communicate what I see. You know, a lot of other guys are doing the same thing. So, you know, it's a tough, tough game last night. Uh, you know, they came out and played really well and they play very aggressively. You know, when that happens, you got to go out there and you got to try to match it. And, um, you know, they just, they got off to a great start and we tried to battle back and, uh, you know, just came up short in the end. I know you guys talked about it a little bit yesterday, but hearing Brady's explanation, is this anything of a deal? Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't look at it as that big of a deal. It does not bother me. You know, I'm not annoyed by Tom Brady. It, it doesn't it doesn't bother me that he's yelling at teammates or yelling at players. It doesn't bother me if another player was yelling on the sideline. It has nothing to do with number twelve. Um, I think that's just the emotion of the game. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, Brady does annoy me, and he has the worst, like, high pitched yelling voice ever. It's a terrible, terrible voice. Um, but that that clip means nothing. I mean, that's he's in a building on the road, <laughs> screaming down a bench to a fellow teammate. He wasn't calling a guy stupid or ugly or what do you? I mean, they're trying to win a football game. I don't. I know we overreact to everything, but there should certain things like we should know that they're normal. That was normal. I can't believe people cared about that. Well, because I think people care about see the frustration on the sideline. I think people like to nitpick at Tom Brady about what he does on the sideline, how he behaves. Top of that list, but that's not. I mean, just the the voice quality is the only issue. Not that he's yelling at somebody. The other interesting thing he said was, you know, there are realistic expectations here based on our circumstances. Uh, You know, which is an interesting comment to make if you're if you're Tom Brady, and I guess it's a case of. Maybe that's a message to Patriot fans there, Bogus. Don't expect miracles here with this offense. They'll all of a sudden think that they're <laughs> going to find it. Maybe they can be efficient enough offensively, but this is not all of a sudden going to be an offensive explosion here moving forward. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to win games in the 40s. They need to win games under 30. That is that is their reality right now, unless they come up with some kind of new tricks to score some points. So, yeah, I mean, you should definitely recalibrate your expectations. But like we said with, with Steve Diossi, I mean, they're still... They're still the Patriots, and until they're dead, I'm not counting them out. All right, next. Ooh, oh. As the NBA continues to figure out its regular season mess, a Mark Stein report from the New York Times says all elements of the NBA potential midseason tournament remain in discussion phase. One idea proposed is to have an extra draft pick given to the winner of the team in the tournament that would be going on during the season. Do you think that would at all incentivize oh teams I mean, you to want to win? You got to be kidding me! I mean, that's a no. Yeah, what are, what are we what are we trying to recreate? I, I get in in terms of creating some juice here for the regular season, but we're looking at midseason tournaments. Have you done a podcast on this, Mike? Because I it hurts my head. This conversation have not. I I still don't really understand what how this would work, what's going to be involved. It's not going to be popular. I don't, why can't they just have a regular, regular season? I don't, well, because the ratings are down. No, They're I, tanking. I, I, I know, but 
Like, TNT ratings, I believe I saw. They're down yeah. to 23%, yeah. TNT and ESPN. Yeah, but 20 and 23% regional sports networks are down 17 across the board. Well, but see, I thought that's where the gains had been on the local broadcasts. And, and certain, certain places have been better. The national ones are the ones going downward. But either, I don't I don't think this solves it. Well, maybe in certain areas, but on the whole, it's down 17%. Like, we, you know, we're easily confused in this country by things. I don't think complicating the NBA schedule is not going to be a solution well, to this. Like, what is this a regular season game? Is this a tournament game? Why? And you, if tanking's an issue, clearly they're worried about teams not playing their best players in a tournament game, which is why they're trying to incentivize the tournament. Well, but there's the haves and the have-nots. I mean, there, there's not that team to go out there and beat, right? A lot of the stars are out on the West Coast, right? The dominant teams, the Lakers and the Clippers are out West. You look at the East Coast and... You know, the Celtics, and you got the 76ers. The Raptors are without the, the MVP of their team and the, the NBA Finals last year, and Kawhi Leonard, who signed with the Clippers in the offseason. You know, there are real tangible issues here with the with the NBA, but, you know, with growth, maybe you have to take a step back in order to take a couple steps forward. But, you know, now you're going to incentivize the regular season by creating these faux tournaments? I mean, for what? For I, an extra draft pick? Right. I, I saw an idea of... of a tournament win would count as two wins in the standings. So you have oh, you a chance gotta be to kidding. I mean, then stop. you're messing with the way you're messing with everything. With, the, with everything, you're yeah. making it too. You're making it too uh, creative. You're being too confusing. I agree with you, Andrew. I don't think you need to go out there and do it. The NBA's got a problem here. It's too offensive. People have, have fallen in love with the personalities of the game, but they don't love watching the game in itself. And yeah. they feel like so many teams here. You want to make it more. You want to incentivize the regular season. Cut down on the postseason. You're never going to do that. No, cut down the regular season. There you you you, you address two things. There you play less games. So there's theoretically there's going to be less resting of guys. Um, well, theoretically, and then you those games matter more. So you got to pay a little bit more attention to what's going on if there's only. Now you could do that as well. Now eating that money is the is or the you issue. should keep the regular season. The problem is, you know, you, you you know these teams that stink don't want to lose the regular season gates, so they don't want to lose the forty one home days. Sure, but some of those gates are almost nil because no one's showing up. To Not watch if you're a Knicks fan. Anyway. They pack the house. Unbelievable. They're four and seventeen, and uh, the Knicks fan and uh, the Knicks fan and people in New York City show up to Madison Square Garden like they're watching a championship team. I, pack I, the I, house every game. I played a clip on local radio yesterday of David Fisdale going. We're getting better because we're only losing by a few points each time now. <laughs> and then they lost by 40 whatever last night in Milwaukee. They got their doors blown off. All right, next. I can't believe they just did that. Wow. Tony Romo. The official score was 132 to 88. Yeah. Uh, who wins more games, the uh, Knicks or the Warriors? Uh, the Warriors. Uh, yeah, I'd say the Warriors. Because Steph Curry's going to play again this year. Yeah, he will play. I- I'd agree with that. It's, it's close. The Warriors are really bad. They only had nine guys in uniform last night. They are they are really, really bad. But the Knicks are just dreadful. The Knicks but, are an embarrassment. Well, but what do you expect? I mean, people were like thinking about it. You had all the Nick apologists say they, you know, oh, they, they didn't just sign five power forwards. Look at what they're doing <laughs> offensively. This they is, didn't this just is our do plan. that. Look at this game plan. Look, everyone's <laughs> moving the same. Now all of a sudden, fire Fisdale. It's not going to matter. No. It's not going to matter. This is not a coaching problem. This is a talent problem. They don't have enough talent to compete on a night-in, night-out basis. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> Get your Bobby Portis jersey while supplies last. By the way, Cyber Monday, you know how much Americans spent on Cyber Monday yesterday? The prediction was like $9 billion. $9.2 billion. Woof. 
Think about that. Think about yesterday in a 24-hour period that Americans across this country spent $9.2 billion. I spent $17. On goods and, and stuff. I bought a book yesterday. I, that, a, I, I didn't even know if it was a Cyber Monday deal. It was on sale. I bought it. I bought, we bought, I bought a couple. My wife and I got, we got new uh, electric toothbrushes. Oh, congrats. Yeah. Welcome aboard. They're amazing. I love them. No, mine. we have one. It's just they're, they're old. So we decided to get a new I love mine. Yeah, they're great. Used it this morning. Uh, Mike, Pete, great job across the way. Heller with the updates. Diasi for joining us earlier in the show. Great job, Andrew. Thank you, Moose. Taz, be strong. Yes. Hopefully we'll be back with us healthy as a horse tomorrow. Peace. There's got to be a 10-second runoff. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 